Let's give it up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's been great to get to know you guys. Um, Some of you have gotten so comfortable with me, like Lindsay and Ava. They keep knocking my knees out from underneath me. I think that's great. Um, I was with the middle school today during the sock war. Uh, It was amazing. This is the only thing that happened to me. I kind of walked out into the middle, and every, it was like I had the plague. As soon as I walked out, the, like the crowd just kind of went like this. and went, Everybody was getting hit around me, but nobody would touch me. So um, I guess I'm the untouchable. I'm the plague. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I'm the teacher, so you can't hit the teacher with flour. Uh, but uh, it's been really great to get to know you guys. Uh, very, very thankful to be here and very grateful for, and I want to say this, um, you guys are incredible. Uh, and I told this to Tyler, and I'll tell you guys, Sunday night, it was so hot in here. Yeah? Yeah, it was so hot. You guys blew my mind. You sat there like this the entire time. And it was just so incredible to see how intensive you were. And I thought, oh, you know, that's, I'm just the new guy, you know, nice southern people from Virginia, you know. But then... <laughs> Second day, you guys were rocking again. The third, it's just unbelievable. So I want to give a hand clap to you guys. Great job. Great job. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. was pitiful. (laughs) I set you up for it. Hey, listen, you're going to need a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we've got people that have got Bibles. Make sure that you've got one in your hand. Make sure that you've got one in your hand. And you want to turn to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. And as well, John chapter 4. Genesis 16, John chapter 4. All right. Ones, where are you at? All right, let's go. Let's start. Romans eight thirty seven. Okay, ones. It's my fault. All right. So now I'm going to give you some chance. Let's 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 count off first so we know who we are. Okay, if you're a one, say one. one two. Time out. Time. You guys sound like you're like sick. One. All right, here we go. Ready? One. Two. This section is okay. Getting all these things. Romans eight thirty seven. Let's do it. I love it. All right, let's do some hand motions, huh? No. All right. Yeah, let's, all right. Hey, 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 I gotta. Let's do a wave. Can we do a wave? All right. Here we go. We're gonna start. We're gonna start on this side. All right, ready? Start with you guys. Ready? Just hands. Just hands. Ready? Go with my hand. Ready? Here we go. Go with my hand. Start. And back and back and back and back. Now from the... Hey, now from the center. Oh, that looked cool. I wish you had my perspective. Romans 8, 37.
These guys are excited about the love of Jesus. Why don't we pray? Father, I do come before you tonight. And once again, just overwhelmed with your grace. Thankful for every one of these students. Asking in Jesus' name that your spirit would be here now in this place. And that you'd speak to hearts. That you'd touch lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking note, tonight, conquering shame. Conquering shame. Are there things about you that you pray that no one ever finds out? It just came to your mind, whatever it is. The other day I was skateboarding with my son, and we were having a race. He was on his bike, and I was on my skateboard. And we were going at it down the street. And I'm just rocking it. I'm just doing it. I'm like, son, I'm going to beat you. And I'm looking at him. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. (laughs) And I'm going, I'm going, until I hit a rock. My skateboard came to a full stop. But my body said, no, we will keep going. I went and hit the pavement. I mean, listen, when I, I thought for sure I had broken at least three things. And when I went, I just hit the pavement. Now, you know what I did when I, got, when I hit? I quickly got up and I looked all around. You know why? I wanted no one to have seen it. I'm bleeding. Blood is going down my leg. I, my, all, my palms are completely, and all I'm concerned about is that people have seen me. My son rides on. My son rides on, gets to the finish line, and shouts, I beat you. I said, son, do you care? Your father is broken. He screams, victory. Are there things that you just wish nobody knew? Watch this video. Today, I am selling Girl Scout cookies. And so far, my grandma has donated all this money and at her office. And, sorry, I like this. Um, I already sold 60 boxes. What, 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 I usually sell like 10 boxes, but I sold 60. Ow! Mom! <laughs> 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 I wonder if 
if she thought over a million people would watch her do that? Are there just some things that you wish no one ever knew? But here's the problem. That was kind of funny. But some of these things can actually be pretty serious. There's just some things that we really don't want anyone to know. They're secrets. Secrets that have caused a lot of pain. Killing us inside. In fact, sometimes you may portray yourself to be the happiest person in the world, but your heart actually has physical pain. It's like you're dying inside. Oh, you're giving the image. I'm tough. But yet the home and your home is broken. You're putting it out there that you're angry. And no one knows what you hold in your heart. Oh, you laugh. (laughs) And you go in your room and you weep. Secrets, pain. You see, things that you hold that you never knew. Listen, we've just experienced this. It was Orlando just a couple of weeks ago. Holding so much pain, so much anger, so much hatred, he goes into a bar and he shoots 49 people, injuring, and injuring, killing 49 people and injuring 53 others. Now everyone goes, well, we knew it. Well, we knew it. Well, why didn't you say anything about it? Listen to this. Only just a little while ago, maybe you've never heard these names before, Robert and Michael Beaver. 15 and 17 years old, homeschool kids, lived in a wonderful neighborhood, stabbed their mother, their father, their two brothers and sister, and killed them in the night. No one ever knew the pain that they were holding inside. Or listen to this. It's unbelievable. Maybe you've heard these names, Morgan Geyser, and maybe you heard this name, Anissa Weir. 12-year-olds. Two 12-year-old girls that took their 12-year-old friend in the forest and stabbed her 19 times. Because they were following a guy on the internet known as Slenderman. And they believed that they needed to appease him, so they stabbed their friend. Their parents didn't even know. They didn't know what they were following. They didn't know the secret they were holding inside. For me personally... I'm going to share you a little family secret. Many of you have been coming to me going, wow, maybe you should never go back to Africa again. (laughs) We lived there for almost six years. And all the stories that I'm telling you was our daily life. We lived there during war. I told you I have nine children. Four of them are adopted. Two of them are the child soldiers that I've been telling you about. We adopted them when they were 9 and 10. One of them had been fighting since he was 5 years old. His brother had conscripted him into the war and he was fighting as a 5-year-old. His brother was his commander. His brother was his leader. His brother was the guy that went like this to me. And we began a relationship, me and his brother, until they shot and killed him. Wanting to rescue... His brother, Emmanuel, I begged him to come out 
Don't fight any longer. Nine years old. I'm, I'm begging a nine-year-old. Give me your weapon. He loved his gun. It offered him protection, but I knew they were going to do a revenge killing. Because it was his brother, I knew they would kill him, and I begged him, and I begged God, until finally God did something in his stomach, and he had to have an emergency surgery. And I picked him up off the ground. I took him to the hospital. He had surgery. He's never left us since. You see, his brother, who had done this this to me and ended up getting shot and killed, we had developed such a relationship over the period of a year and a half. One particular trip, I went in behind the lines, and he gave me a monkey. We called him Tito. He was an evil monkey. So evil that one day I was fixing our wooden door, mahogany wood door, and I took the door off, and my son, he was one and a half at the time, was sitting underneath, not underneath the door, but beside the door. The monkey went behind the door and threw the door on top of my son. Jealous. Wanted to kill my son. Now, you know how they say never get between a mama bear and her cubs? This monkey was the most evil monkey you could ever imagine. No one could ever catch this monkey if you tried to. But when that monkey threw the door on my one-and-a-half-year-old son, you should have seen my wife. My wife climbed a tree. She grabbed that monkey by the tail, ripped it out of the tree, began to wring its neck, and said, we are going to eat you tonight. <laughs> I, was, I looked at my wife, and I go, Andrea, we're missionaries. We can't be that violent. This thing tried to kill my... I let go of the monkey. And this monkey, about a year later, he died. Not from my wife strangling it. Yes, a little clap. We didn't eat it either. And when he died, my son Emmanuel, he wept. Like, I mean, it was a monkey. You know, it's like, son, why are you crying? Like, like, couldn't come out of bed, like just weeping uncontrollably. It was like my daughter. We lived in Montana for a few years and we had some chickens. And one night a fox got into our chicken pen and ate all 38 of our chickens. And my daughter, Elia, she cried all day. Till finally I sat down next to her on a log and I said, Elia. She was like five years old at the time. I go, Elia, they were just chickens. And she looked at me and she goes, they weren't chickens. They were my friends. I knew we had to leave Montana at that point. <laughs> and he's sitting in the bed. He's weeping. I'm holding him. I'm cradling this 13-year-old young teenager as he's weeping. But he wasn't crying over the monkey. You see, as a child soldier, you weren't allowed to cry. Your innocence had been ripped from you at the age of five years old. And if you cried, they shot you. And now here he is, weeping over his dead brother, weeping over everything that happened to him. And he began to spill out that day all of the secrets that he had held in his heart. And I look back on that day, and my wife and I, that particular day, we look back and we realize that was the day that he started to heal. Because the word of God is true. When you confess what's in you to man... You're healed. That's what James 5 says. When you confess to men your sin, you are going to be healed. But for some of us, we like to hold the secrets in. And it ends up being like an infection. 
And it begins to go systemic. And it can actually kill us. Instead of confessing out loud it, and being healed, we're actually being destroyed. And you begin to believe the lie. You actually begin to think, I can't tell anyone because no one's going to understand. No one's going to understand what it means to be bullied. They're going to laugh at me just like everyone else does. No one understands that I'm harming myself. I'm cutting myself. No one's going to understand that I've got these thoughts of killing myself and suicide. No one is going to understand that I'm attracted to the same sex. No one's going to understand why I had to drink or try those drugs. No one's going to get it. I can't tell anyone. I can't trust anyone. And you actually believe that no one cares and that no one understands and that what you're going through, you're all alone. You're all by yourself. And you can't follow scripture that says get it out of you so that you can be healed. There was a woman in the Bible, she felt the same way. Her name was Hagar. It's Genesis chapter 16. I asked you to turn there. I'm going to read for you verse 13, but let me tell you the story. This woman, she was different. She was Egyptian. Everyone that she was around was a Hebrew. She was different. She looked different. Her skin color was different. Her eyes were different. Her hair was different. Everything was different about this woman, Hagar. She was despised. She was rejected. She was kicked out. She even got to the place where she was despairing of life and suicidal. But God reached out to her. All alone, all by herself, out in the wilderness, she runs away to get away from everybody. God reaches out to her. And she proclaims something about God because he met her right where she needed Look at Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? How many of you ever watched the movie Avatar? Anybody watch the movie Avatar? Great movie, right? Remember, remember what they used to say to each other? I see you. It's kind of like, whoa, it's like, let the force be with you. You know, it's like, I see. What they were saying was this. I see your heart. I recognize what you're thinking and what you're saying. I get it. I understand. And that's what Hagar is saying. God gets me. He understands me. He can meet my need. He's the God who understands. He's the God who sees. But in some sense... While God understands, in some other sense, you're right. You see, the truth is, people really won't fully understand you. That's the truth. And we won't fully understand because, listen, we're not walking your journey. It's like my son. My son is an accident waiting to happen. My 11-year-old, listen, for the last four summers, he has ripped off his big toe, He broke both bones the next summer, right here. And then this past summer, he broke his femur. He broke his femur. And listen, do you know how hard it is to break your femur? Finally, I asked the doctor, what is this child's problem? Can you test his bones? And the doctor, he knows me. He goes, no, Chet, he's just your son. 
That's the problem. One time he was wrestling. The other time he was skateboarding. The skateboarding one was hilarious. I told him, I go, son, I want you to go down the half pipe by the end of the skate camp. He goes, all right, dad. So he gets up on the, goes to the skate, uh, skate ramp camp uh, uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Sorry, lost my word for a second. Goes to the ramp camp at Fort Lauderdale. He goes on top of the half pipe. It's like 10 feet high. And he goes down the first day and breaks both of his arms. They call me. You better come get him. He's got to go to the, got to go to the hospital. His arm looked like this. When I picked him up, he wasn't crying. I sit, sit him down in the back of my truck. He sits down, closes the door. Now it's just me and him in the car. We start going to the hospital, and he goes, this is your fault. <laughs> I go, how is this my fault? He goes, you told me to go down the half pipe. I said by the end of the week. And he goes, don't you know I try to please you, and I want to supersede what you're saying? I'm like, son, I'm sorry. Now I'm apologizing. I'll never forget even this past summer when he broke his femur, he had to have surgery. I'd never heard him scream in pain like that before. When he screamed as they were straightening his leg, my wife almost passed out. And when he was going into surgery the next day, he looked at the nurse. And you see, in his world, everyone's a Christian. So he looked at his world, and he looked at his nurse, and he goes, "Um, will you pray for me? And the woman looked at him like this. She didn't know what to do. She wasn't a believer. She didn't know what to do. So she just looked at him like this, and that scared him. So he looked at her and goes, how about I pray for you? And this guy, he goes, dear Jesus, she seems nervous. I pray that you would be with her and that she would not mess things up when I go inside. And then I'm like, look at this thing. Tears are coming down my eyes. He's praying for this nurse. I couldn't believe it. And it was amazing. He's crying in pain. This thing is just killing him. But what was so amazing, they put a little IV in him. And as soon as they put the drugs in, he went from, uh, uh, to... <laughs> Bye, Dad. <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, from absolute horror to absolute bliss in just a moment. And that's what some of us want. Instead of hearing God, who says, I see you, I understand. And he's whispering to you, I I love you. I'm here with you. No, we want the quick fix. We don't want to go the route of faith. No, I just want the meds. Just get, I want to feel good real quick. And I don't know about you, when I want to feel good real quick, I go for chocolate Trinity ice cream. Let me tell you something. Jesus made this ice cream. It's chocolate ice cream with chocolate truffle caramel, like, Jesus things inside of it, (laughs) swirled with, like, magic shell chocolate, all in a half gallon. And they named it Trinity. How holy is that? (laughs) Trinity. It's unbelievable. And when I'm absolutely miserable, there's nothing like sitting down with a big half gallon of this stuff and just eat. Because that's what some of us do, right? When we feel miserable, feed me. When we feel miserable, if I could just talk to my boyfriend, if I could just get with my girlfriend, if I could just, what is your med? What's your feel good? What's your escape? When God is whispering to you, I'm with you.
And you're running away. You're trying to find your way to get rid of this pain that's inside of you while God is saying, I see you. And the beauty about Jesus is this. Though you're running, he promises to pursue. That's what he did with Hagar. Hagar ran away and God reached out to her. And though she was running, God continued to pursue. You see, there was another woman in the Bible that Jesus did this with. Turn with me. It's John chapter 4. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This woman, it's verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. You see, Jesus is on pursuit. There's, there, there's a woman in pain. There's a woman who has heartache. There's a woman who's got some secrets. You see, she was filling her pain with men. In fact, she had gone from man to man to man to man. And now, Jesus has to go to a well. And it's amazing that he goes to a well, that she's actually at this well, because Jesus wants to fill her with living water. Jesus wants to satisfy this need and he needed to go to her because she didn't even know what she needed but Jesus knew what she needed and Jesus was in pursuit. And though like Hagar, she was running from God, God was running to her because she had secrets. She had shame. She had pain in her heart. And when Jesus came to her, She got a little mean. She got a little sarcastic. Now she's talking to God and she got a little rude. It's one of these. Why did you let this happen? I mean, are you really God? How could this happen to me? Do you know? Do you see? Do you care? Ever asked those questions before? And what I love about Jesus, he don't give up. His love is unconditional. He continues to pursue this woman. She didn't know what she was longing for was real love and real affection. She was trying to find it in a relationship with a man. She had been through five of them. Now she's with another one. Jesus points it out because Jesus knows. Take a look with me if you would at uh, John chapter 4 verse 15. And the wood, Jesus says, I've got some living water for you. In verse 15, the woman says, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. All of us are saying that. We all have a need. In fact, I would say that many of you, if not 99% of you, have some secrets and some shame. And you want to be filled, but you're trying to fill it with chocolate trinity ice cream when God says, I see you, I understand, and I love you, and I'm pursuing you. Though you're mean and angry, sarcastic, though you've said all kinds of things to me, I'm still pursuing you. Jesus says, look, I can fill you where you will never have this feeling again. 
See, that's what the enemy wants you to believe. That's the trick. The trick is, is that other things are going to satisfy you. The trick is, is that it's God's fault. The trick is, listen, that you're supposed to live with this pain. That you're supposed to live in this shame. That's the trick of the enemy. But Jesus meets her and he gives her living water. He completely fills the void that's within her and he gives her peace. Even though she's rejecting him, he's still pursuing. And he pursued her until she came to the place and believed. She runs to the town and look what she says in verse 29. Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? See, not only is he the God who sees, he's the God who knows. He knows that shame. He knows that pain. Hey, gang, listen to me. He knows your secret. And like Barrett was talking about this morning, He still pursues you. Now, I don't know what your secret is. But God says, taste and see that I'm good. You see, you're here today because God's in pursuit of you. You're listening to this message because God is in pursuit of you. I may not understand your problem, but he does. And he's using me to tell you God knows. This is not an accident that you're here. This is an appointment. You're not here by accident listening to the fact that God knows where you're at. God brought you here so that you could hear, just like Hagar, just like the woman at the well, I see and I know. And then you say, no, Chet, I don't think you've understand. I've tried God. And all with my life was it got worse. Well, there's a guy in the Bible that understands you. His name is Joseph, the favored son of his father, who's given a little coat. We heard about him on Sunday. Jacob, he let everybody know, this is my favorite son. In fact, you guys know I've got nine kids. It was about four Christmases, or two or three Christmases ago, actually, I can't remember. And we were all sitting down as a family. And everyone was arguing over who was my favorite. So I stood up, and I grabbed my baby son, and I said... None of you have to argue again. He is my favorite. (laughs) And Timon said, I told all of you for a long time. And everyone was like, no, I'm your favorite. I'm your favorite. I go, come on, you guys. Dad doesn't have favorites. And then Timon goes, really? Joseph, he was the favored son of his dad. His brothers got so mad about this that they sold him into slavery into Egypt where he became a slave. And as a slave, he rose to the top, but then he was falsely accused once again because of someone else's sin. He now goes and no longer is he a slave, he's in prison. And all the while, Joseph's like, what's going on with my life? You see, Joseph gets it. But he never gave up on God. He understands what it means to get worse. But the truth of the matter is, 
wasn't that God didn't care about Joseph. That wasn't it at all. God had sent Joseph to Egypt to save an entire nation. But God had a work to do in Joseph and to change Joseph, to make him the man that would be able to save the nation. It wasn't that God didn't care. He cares enough about us to have us go through everything that we need to go through in order to become the man or the woman that God is making you to be. I've never done drugs. But I've got a lot of friends who were drug addicts. In fact, my assistant was a drug addict. Four years ago, I was in a hospital room looking at a dead man. Today, he travels the world with me. I I don't know how to minister to a drug addict. He does. You should hear him. And I would never have chosen that route for Tanner. I never would have chosen that way of pain. But God chose it because he was going to use Tanner for his glory. Now listen. I have a son. His name is Micaiah. He had a girlfriend. His girlfriend broke up with him. You know what she said to him? You're not responsible. So he told him. He comes home devastated. Do you know what I did the next day? I increased his chores. I made him get a job, and I forced him to go to after-school programs every day to improve his grades. He hated me. He said to me, Dad, I come to you with this pain, and I tell you that my girlfriend has broken up with me, and you punish me. You give me more chores. You make me go to after-school programs. Now I'm working, and I'm doing all kinds of things, and none of the other kids are having to do this. I just listened. I'm dad. You don't care. You hate me. Went on for months. Months. About six months later, the girl comes back. Hey, how you doing, Makai? I'm good. <laughs> how you doing? Well, I was just wondering if we could go out. Wonder if we can go out? <laughs> comes home. Dad! She wants to go out! Really? Why does she want to go out with you, son? She says I'm responsible. Oh, you mean because you have a job? You mean because your grades improved? You mean because you're more responsible in the house? And he looks at me and he goes, oh. (laughs) He goes, all the time, you didn't really hate me. You were helping me. Words can just float right out of his mouth. And I said, I'm dad. That's what dads do. In fact, I want to read you this. My, my, my kids, they, for Father's Day, we did the tw- they, my wife did the 12 days of Father's Day. She has a song and everything. It's crazy. And every day I'm getting a letter for the 12 days of Father's Day. It's, it's incredible. Now listen to what one of my sons wrote, okay? All I've wanted my whole life is to make you proud and to be able to feel your approval. So I read that. I'm like, wow, I'm a loser father. That's what you, you know? This is not the letter you want to receive on uh, Father's Day. He goes, all I wanted my whole life was to make you proud and be able to feel your approval. Listen to this. Being grown up, I realize now that you've always been proud of me and that you've always wanted the best for me. That's why you pushed me. You see, the son I told you about that I forced him to do better grades, he goes to one of the most pre- premier schools in the world, St. Andrews University in Scotland. Now he writes and he says, thank you. Then 
he didn't like me. You see, sometimes when God chooses to go his way as a great father, he's just simply training us. Our hardships are not to lead us to despair. They're actually to make us stronger. Just ask any athlete in this room. The coach pushes you beyond what you think you can do to make you better. I was a swimmer in high school and college. I used to hate my coach. One time, I false started on a race, and I got down on the block, and they said, swimmers, take your mark, and I went, and I got disqualified. Do you know what I had to do for a week? My coach held my big toe, and I had to walk around a pool three times on my hands as he held my toes walking around the pool. Now, I don't know if you know what that feels like on your hands and on your shoulders, on your chest. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. Keep going. Keep going. You're punishing me. You know, the whole deal. Keep going. But what he was doing was making me stronger. Every athlete knows this. And so does God. He's our father. I want you to hear about God. God sees. He sees where you're at. Can you trust him to meet your need? That's number one. God sees where you're at. Listen to number two. God knows what you're involved in. He knows your secret. And he's trying to get your attention tonight to save you from it. God knows. But number three, like with Joseph, God cares enough to help you and to redeem whatever it is that's your secret or your shame. It's what he does. Remember, he sent his son to die for you. Now, you might be listening and go, wait a second, you don't know what I've done. You don't don't know my secret. You don't know my shame. You don't know, I don't even know if God can forgive me for what I've done. Can I remind you of Jonah? Jonah. Jonah was sent to Nineveh, the most wickedest nation and culture the world has ever known. God knew who they were, and he sent Jonah to them because he wanted to save them from their destruction. And Assyria would go down because as a nation, many, many years after Jonah would go and and see this redemption, they would fall back into their sin and they would be destroyed because of their own sin. God, knowing that, he sent Jonah to them, knowing how wicked they were, knowing how unforgivable they were. And God sent Jonah to say, repent. You can be forgiven. God can deal with your secret. And I believe, like Jonah, he sent me to tell you. Because he loves you. He sees you. He knows what it is you're wrestling with. And he cares about you. And here's what he says. Come to me. Conquer the shame. Conquer the secret. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You see, secrets wear you out because you're always lying to cover it. Whether in personality or whether in speech. I don't know what your home life is. I don't know what you're walking through at school. I don't know if you're being bullied. I don't know if you're attracted to the same sex. 
I don't know if you've dabbled in drugs or alcohol, but God knows, God sees, God cares. And I just want to be his mouthpiece tonight. Come to him. That secret is wearing you out. And he wants to give you rest. So I'm ending early tonight. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And I'm going to ask all the counselors if you guys would line up on the back wall and even on this ramp over here. So if you guys can just stand up now, all the counselors, and just go to the back wall, if you would. Hey, guys. If you could, just give me your attention for a minute. God sees, he already knows, and he cares. And he's given us a prescription in the Bible. He says, if you confess, you can be healed. You confess one to another, you can be healed. And tonight I want to offer you that prescription. And the band's going to play a couple of songs of worship. And tonight what I'd like for you to do If the Lord has spoke to your heart and there's something that you just need to get out, I'm going to ask you to go to one of your counselors and maybe you don't even have to tell them. But maybe it's just the humility to get up out of your seat, go to one of your counselors and say, I just need you to pray for me. Or maybe you do want to say, you know what? I'm struggling with with." And then you let them know. Or maybe you say, you know, I did this. Or maybe you go, man, my home life is miserable. I want you to get up from your seat. And you guys just make a way for people to be able to get there. And I'm going to ask you to allow this few moments to be holy. Please. You guys, I don't want you to fool around in the back, okay? I want this moment to be holy. And so, just let it be you and the Lord. And ask God to give you the courage and the strength to be able to just go up and just pray with someone. It's going to set you free. It's a prescription for healing. God already sees it. He understands. He knows what it is already. prescription is confess it get it out get it out so over the next couple of songs it's not going to be a lot of time so just let the spirit move you get to your counselor and pray father I commit this time to you and I ask would your spirit move in this place tonight I pray for these students by your spirit they'd conquer shame in these secrets you see us you know and you care in Jesus name